episode 73 of the Truth Quest podcast, The Truth About Trump and Derangement Syndrome. Before we get started, I want to ask you to do me a favor and share the show. If you're on social media and topics such as Edward Snowden, California wildfires, white privilege, impeachment, negative interest rates, or Walmart comes up, please share the topic-specific TruthQuest episode with your debate partner. Episodes are available on Google Play Music, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play Music, and podbean.com. The video version of the podcast are available on BitChute and Brighton. If you are listening to this on the Apple Podcast app, please take a moment to scroll down on the podcast page and give it a five-star rating. Another way you can help grow the show is to throw a small donation my way at the TruthQuest Podcast patronage page. All donations will be used to drive awareness of the podcast through Facebook and Twitter advertising. See this episode's show notes page at truthquest.podbean.com for the link. Finally, please join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash truthquestpodcast. So my wife comes over to me this week and shows me a Facebook post by someone on her family tree. She's not exactly sure how she's related, but in response to some post about President Trump, this long-lost cousin writes, quote, I hope he dies in prison like Epstein, end quote. Now my wife, being a largely non-confrontational person, shows it to me and says, I have to respond to this. Of course, my advice is to start asking the guy questions, you know, try to flush him out. She decided to respond benignly, which matches her personality, with one word, quote, horrible. Of course, her cousin responded snarkily with, I wasn't meaning to be kind. So I talked to her into posing one question. What specific thing has he done that makes you hate him? And as is usually the case with loudmouth liberals on social media, very similar to bullies in the schoolyard, when confronted, they back down, or in this case, he comes up with nothing. Crickets. Really? Out of all the things that Trump has done, his past with women, his build-the-wall claim, his claims about the economy, the trade tariffs, the ongoing wars he promised to get us out of, his tweeting. Then, of course, there are all the ists and phobes that are constantly applied to Trump. Racist, misogynist, homophobe, xenophobe, sexist, white supremacist, and throw in a bigot for good measure. This guy couldn't come up with one thing? Is he lazy? Perhaps. Intellectually dishonest? Hmm, likely. Ignorant of anything resembling facts? I think you're getting warmer. Mad that a Republican president dare stand up for himself? Ding, ding, ding. So why do people wish the death of national political leaders? You don't see these types of threats at the state or local level, where people actually have some influence and power over your lives, rather than some guy residing at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue in Washington, D.C. Perhaps it has something to do with a study that I came across a couple weeks ago entitled A Nation Divided, U.S. Politics Taking Physical, Emotional Toll on Americans. The survey revealed that two in five Americans are stressed out by the political climate, and one in five say they're even losing sleep. Nearly a third of those surveyed feel views expressed on cable news channels are driving them crazy. The study author believes the problem is akin to a public health crisis in the country. Goodness gracious. 
Between that study and my wife's Facebook experience, I couldn't resist producing an episode that examines the phenomenon known as Trump derangement syndrome. My first thought was to consider if we've ever had similar mental reactions to former presidents. The answer is absolutely not. When Democrats control the White House, you have what I refer to as a passive opposition from so-called conservative talking heads, think tanks, and some conservative media. They tend to spend their time pointing out the ramifications of the policy proposals. That approach matches the conservative personality, as at their core, they are interested in preserving or conserving what is good, what works. And when they find things that don't seem to work too well, they talk about it. When Republicans control the White House, on the other hand, we are subjected to a little bit different behavior. See, liberals by nature are seekers of change. They see no value in preserving and conserving. That's why you see them pushing for things like changing the definition of marriage or justifying the death of babies in the womb and coming up with new genders and pronouns. It's almost a mission of the left to change tradition whether it be religious, specifically the Judeo-Christian tradition in the Bible, or the Constitution, or traditional family, traditional morals and ethics, if it smells like tradition, it apparently needs to be eradicated. By the way, if you're interested in a deep dive into the topic of the Judeo-Christian tradition, check out episode 26. Anyways, since the conservatives in society tend to sit back and passively resist or ignore liberals' insane proposals, the left has no choice but to find ways to force their policy prescriptions down the throat of the people. For over a century, the left has been in a full-court press to rewrite the Constitution or operate outside its limitations. Think about the 16th and 17th Amendments, the Federal Reserve, the New Deal, Social Security, the Great Society, creating a new constitutional right of abortion out of thin air, or trying to eliminate the Electoral College, gun control, Obamacare. What's my point? My point is because liberals are by nature looking to effect change, they tend to be by that very same nature more, shall we say, in your face about their unpopular views. So we have a group that leans towards being more action-oriented, a group whose members dominate the media, and there you go. You have a recipe for a boisterous crowd. So we got eight years of Reagan was the devil. Bush 41 didn't require much effort after he reneged on his read my lips pledge. Then we had Clinton's eight years, where apparently the guy walked on water, at least according to the mainstream media, despite the fact that he was getting blown by a 22-year-old intern and having numerous affairs and committing perjury. Think about the Clinton impeachment. The media tried desperately to ignore it. I mean, talk about low standards. The media spends its time telling us that it has nothing to do with this job. It's personal. Stop being a prude. Then that same media goes batshit crazy over similar allegations with Trump. Rewind to the 1960s. JFK was apparently screwing every female who worked in the White House. But since there was only three national networks and a handful of national newspapers, all of whom apparently only employed Democrats, it took decades before we found out what a whore JFK was and what an asshole LBJ was. But all of Nixon's warts were widely reported. Reagan was maligned by the mainstream media press for eight years. They called him stupid, a cowboy, an actor. On and on it went, but the results of his policies were too good, and the people, despite not having any alternative media to turn to like they have today, knew in their hearts and in their paychecks that they didn't give a shit what the media said. They knew their life was better with him in office. 
My point is, this stuff has been going on for decades, even centuries. Go back and research the election cycles of Jefferson and Adams. It was brutal. They accuse each other of things that make the Russia collusion hoax and the Trump impeachment allegations look like something out of a teen sitcom student body presidency election drama. Then we get eight years of Bush 43. If you thought Reagan was bad, 43 was Lucifer in the flesh. The guy lied and people died. And he took us to war for oil. Plus he had Cheney behind the scenes conducting all sorts of evil endeavors. Halliburton. Then comes the second coming in Obama, who did no wrong. Don't believe me? Just listen to how he continues to claim that his administration was free from scandal, and the media just nods their dutiful heads at their messiah. Anyways, that was a long and winding road to today's topic, Trump derangement syndrome. Consider how the most recent Republican presidents behaved. So Reagan was very congenial. Remember his famous quote, The trouble with our liberal friends is not that they're ignorant. It's just that they know so much that isn't so. And Bush 41. I mean, being a member of the establishment, having served in the federal government capacities for two decades prior to becoming president, it really precluded him from making any waves when it came to the opposition politically or in the media. Then we get Bush 43, who, taken after his father, literally refused to defend himself against the constant media onslaught because he thought it was beneath the dignity of the office of the presidency. Then the world exploded, and we got Trump, the antithesis of Reagan Bush. This guy is a bull in a china shop with a machine gun Twitter trigger. This guy is unlike any GOP president in modern history. Teddy Roosevelt is the only one that comes to mind that was as in-your-face and F-you as Trump is. Thus, the derangement syndrome. No more comatose GOP presidents. This guy refutes your arguments, sometimes in real time, and he spews statistics about the economy as if he's selling something on QVC. The media, the National Democrats for that matter, America, and the world have never seen anything like Trump. The result being the media goes batshit crazy, and that level of insanity and bias reporting slowly seeps into the psyche of their viewers and readers, and then you get stories like the study I mentioned earlier. Speaking of that study, what was your reaction? Was it like me? I mean, is this shit for real? If you read the study further, you'll see them report, quote, the current U.S. political climate is literally making Americans physically sick, damaging friendships, and driving many people crazy. 20% have damaged friendships because of political disagreements. One in five report fatigue. And it's a small portion, but 4% of the people in the, our sample said that they had suicidal thoughts because of politics. That translates to 10 million adults, end quote. That's absolute insanity. Only in an affluent society where people have spare time to consider their national politicians can a story like that be written. Nothing exposes or proves the Trump derangement syndrome phenomenon more clearly than the Democrats' impeachment inquiry. I mean, think about it. They are accusing Trump of doing the same damn thing that Joe Biden admitted to, withholding foreign aid unless the Ukrainians did what was demanded. For those of you who are not aware, Joe, being the short-sighted, entitled member of the establishment that he is, admitted doing just this at the Council of Foreign Relations in 2018. 
So the Democrats, who have no principles, try to impeach Trump while ignoring the illegality of Biden. Would you expect anything less from a group of people who are afflicted with a strange and previously unknown syndrome? These are the same people who have been ignoring Bill and Hillary's illegalities for almost three decades. Unfortunately for the National Democrats, the syndrome is clouding their judgment. What else explains their lack of understanding of the average voter in America? Uh, let me rephrase that. What else explains their unwillingness to understand the average voter in America? As I've articulated in many other episodes, the National Democrats have abandoned the average American. Hillary said it as much and with her deplorables comment. They are no longer interested in the votes of the middle, which is why you see them carving up the electorate into a coalition of perceived aggrieved groups of voters. They play on skin color, gender identity, levels of wealth and income, sexual preferences, immigration status, abortion preferences. It goes on and on. So, what to do to maintain your sanity in this toxic national political environment, which, according to the study referenced earlier, is impacting people's mental and physical health? Well, first, you can ignore the national news. It's not a bad strategy. However, I think you have some obligation to pay attention and call bullshit when necessary. Or you can employ my preferred strategy. It's kind of a modified strategy, which uses a simple standard by which you filter all national political garbage through. The United States Constitution. You pound the table with constitutional questions. Those of you who are regular listeners know my favorite question is, where in the Constitution? See episode 3 for more on that. This modified strategy allows you to spend more time focusing on your local and state politics. As Brian McClanahan says, think locally, act locally. For those of you who find yourself arguing with me when I criticize the Supreme Court, the unconstitutional actions of various presidents, and the unconstitutional, unwieldy power of the federal government, what is your standard? For liberals in general and progressives specifically, you are fully ensconced with a big government mentality, which is directly opposed to the Constitution. So your whole agenda, your whole perspective on the federal government is essentially anti-constitutional. Think about your agenda. Gay marriage, abortion, welfare programs, universal child care, free college, student loan forgiveness, climate change, socialized medicine, wealth tax. None of that is constitutional. Your entire agenda is unconstitutional. You rely on the courts to create rights out of thin air. You rely on the mainstream media and the education sector to present your views as normal. And as far as you establishment so-called conservatives go, what is constitutional about your existence? You are known as conservatives because you are determined to conserve what is good and just in our society, which presumably would be the most important political document ever drafted, the United States Constitution. Instead, you have advocated your duties as laid out in that very document. You have allowed and encouraged numerous undeclared wars to be waged. You have yet to use the power of the purse to withdraw funding from unconstitutional programs and agencies. You have passed hundreds of unconstitutional bills, permitted the surveillance state to stand and expand the Patriot What about the Medicare Part D? Numerous omnibus spending bills. I mean, shit. It's more difficult to find a piece of constitutional legislation than vice versa. And just to demonstrate that I'm an equal opportunity basher, if you think Obama was not divisive and Trump is the devil, you're a large part of the problem because you were probably silent during Obama's eight years, but really vocal now. And if you think Trump's shit doesn't stink and Obama was the devil, you're a large part of the problem because you probably spent a fair amount of time defending Trump 
and the last eight years trashing Obama. It's absolutely ridiculous that there is a physical or emotional toll on Americans over politics in Washington, D.C. We shouldn't give two shits about what those jokers do in D.C. I mean, hell, most of those folks are criminals by any other name, and yet we ruminate and talk about them endlessly. If the Constitution had not been bastardized and ignored, we wouldn't care about D.C. Instead, we have a 24-7 news cycle that grabs our attention and strangles us, stresses us, suffocates us, infuriates us. Back to my point. Should we be paying so much attention to what's going on in Washington, D.C., or should our attention be more focused on our local communities and our states? I mean, think about your daily life. If the federal government was abolished tomorrow, what impact would there be on your daily life? Well, mail delivery would be disrupted. Money would be a complicated issue to deal with. But the fiat currency we currently throw around is unconstitutional anyways because the Constitution only calls for coin money. The copyright and patent office would disappear, and that would certainly have an impact on the markets. The states could pick up the slack, but it would be messy. The federal courts would disappear, but given the fact that the Constitution listed, what, I don't know, three federal crimes, would this really be an issue? Social Security benefits would not be distributed? That's certainly problematic. By the way, that's an unconstitutional program, too. See episode 8 for more on that. The military would definitely be an issue, especially if someone attacked us. One thing's for sure, you'd have a lot more money in your pocket. No more 6.2% going to Social Security or 10 to 20% federal income taxes. Medicare and Medicaid would likely still be collected by the state. Now, of course, a bunch of people would be pissed off if the federal government disappeared because all the unconstitutional functions and agencies in which the feds play and serve would hurt them. No more federal declarations of the definition of marriage. No more socialized medicine. See episode 12 about that. No more Fed involvement in the education of our children. No more Fed meddling in gun control measures. See episode 18 on that. No more federal involvement in labor laws. The abortion industry would have to deal with 50 states. If you're interested in the abortion issue, see episodes 2, 46, and 47. Student loans would be handled privately, which would absolutely destroy the university sector that has been living high on the hog on easy federal money flowing to students for decades. See episode 39, The Truth About the Cost of College and Student Loans, for more on that. No more corporate bailouts, no more federally elected officials running around trying to cripple our economy over climate change, no more TSA, no more Federal Reserve and out-of-control inflation, no more Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac... No more federal welfare programs, farm subsidies, foreign aid. No more federal gas tax. No more FDA delaying potentially life-saving drugs. No more federal tax credits for buying electric cars. No more NSA surveillance. No more IRS, Bureau of Land Management. No more Fish and Wildlife Service. No more U.S. Commission on Fine Arts. No more Mine Safety and Health Administration. I could go on for 20 minutes. In the first chapter of my book, Critical Thinking, I provide a four-page list of unconstitutional federal agencies if you're interested. What would we do, you ask? Well, you know what? The states and the private sector are more than capable of dealing with all this unconstitutional federal shit. So, what the hell does all this have to do with Trump derangement syndrome? That's an excellent question. I'm so glad you asked. I went through all the unconstitutional federal programs and agencies to demonstrate to you just how illegitimate the federal government really is, just how entrenched and powerful the federal bureaucracy is, 
And when you have someone like Trump come in and threaten to overturn the proverbial apple cart and call bullshit on the way things have been done for decades, hell, a century in many cases, you can expect some stiff resistance. That resistance is usually enough to scare off the average Republican nerd wells whose heart really is in the fight, someone who will fold under the slightest pressure. However, when someone like Trump comes along and constantly and consistently calls bullshit, calls the media fake news, gives nicknames to his favorite political adversaries, Crooked Hillary, Crazy Bernie, Quip Bro Quo Joe, Slippery James Comey, Pocahontas Elizabeth Warren, Sneaky Diane Feinstein, Little Adam Schiff. And he refuses to play by the same Washington, D.C. rules that are expected the media goes nuts, the establishment politicians start investigations, and the people apparently suffer from mental and physical issues because of it. Trump was elected in part because he was going to drain the swamp. If anything, it's been a slow drain, but his greatest accomplishment when it comes to the swamp is how he infected it with Trump derangement syndrome and turned D.C. into a swamp monster, unequivocally exposing the establishment for what it is an entrenched, omnipotent wasteland, but with a relentless ability of self-preservation. The extent to which they will go seems to have no bounds. They certainly are not bound by the Constitution. Please join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash truthquestpodcast. Podcast.